Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. So you doing okay? You good? Everybody good? My name's Doyle. I work here. Uh, you may you may not realize that, but uh, I do still. And uh, I've been gone for a few weeks, and I'm back, and I'm ready to go and fired up. And uh, men, you need to get your you know what in gear and get here Thursday night, okay? Yeah. And if you don't know what the you know what parties, I'll tell you later. I will. Uh, so we, we, I just think in our society, we just need some men. Some men will stand up, take it on the chin if you need to, step forward, and make things better, okay? And I think, uh, yeah. And, uh, and I just think, uh, I'm going to share some statistics with you, non-kind of Christian, just regular statistics from uh, the society we live in that will encourage you uh, to be the man God called you to be. And I'm going to give you some tools, and we're going uh, to have some conversations about some tough stuff, and we're going to eat some really good food. So uh, uh, sign up. On, uh, out on the courtyard, there's a table there. Uh, there's a guy that's like 27 feet tall. His name is Shane. And uh, you can talk to him and sign up and be a part of it because uh, it's time to step up. And we're going to encourage you to do that and give you some tools to do that. And it's going to be really fun. And the, the, the theme this week is hit and miss engines are fun. Don't live a hit and miss life. Live on purpose. Know why you're here. And you'll enjoy life a lot more and make an impact. All right, good. So uh, here's the deal. Um, it, was, uh, it was during the COVID um, uh, lockdown. Uh, we were, uh, I think we'd opened the tent, but we were uh, still doing a lot of online stuff. And I think it was one of the Saturday nights afterwards. Um, we had, they had to come in and film a couple of songs for the online service the next day. Or, I don't know, something like that. And uh, Nick's sitting down here. We're talking. And he's got his guitar. He goes, hey, uh, 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 Pastor Joel, can I, can I share a new song I just wrote? And I'm like, well, yeah, okay. And, um, and he told me the story. And then he sent me the song. And I have been saving this. It's not that I didn't want to. I've been saving this song. I'm dying for you guys to hear it. I've been saving this for the right moment, and today's the right moment, and you're going to love this. But first, I want you to hear a little bit of the story he told me. So what, what prompted this song? So uh, the situation that he's describing is after we filmed, I'd, I hadn't played the song for more than about five to ten people, including family. And there was just this move of, I need to, I need to share this with Pastor. And I felt like the reason I needed to share it is because of the time we were in at that time, uh, in pandemic. And the story uh, that takes place of me feeling like I needed to share it happened months earlier. My grandmother, uh, just the backbone of our family, for, uh, a woman from Memphis, Tennessee. Anybody from Tennessee? No one's from Tennessee. <laughs> okay. Right there, there's one over here. If you're online and watching, we love you. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, my, my grandmother moved out here from Memphis, Tennessee, and she married a pastor, and she raised her son, uh, my dad, uh, both as a musician and as a, a, a man after God's heart. He wanted that to be, he got his urge to want to be in service through her, and I, I, I know it with my whole heart. And during the time of the pandemic, we, we got to see my grandmother's uh, pre-existing heart condition slowly wind down. And this is a woman who survived, I think, three surgeries and a couple of other, like, just, if you let her sit down and tell, if you let, had let her sit down and tell you her testimony, we'd be here all day. Uh, but 
we got to this point during the pandemic where we could see that we weren't be, wouldn't be able to take her to the hospital because all the hospitals were closed and they were turning people away and we saw her heart condition get gradually worse and worse. But we saw our backbone of our family still stay strong even during this time. And it baffled us because we had like a coupon type of hope where like we needed, the, we needed the, the date to be in check, but it didn't really matter if that, that validation date was there for her. She said, I, I have served a faithful God throughout this time. And she was pouring into us when she was on her bed and on her back. She was pouring into us all of the things that she had just been like so consistent with over the past months before we even got to this health point in her journey. And she passed. And I think it was the week before, maybe the day before Thanksgiving, when, when we, we knew that this wasn't going to work out and she was going to pass. And every piece of advice she ever gave me came flooding back. And one, I'll share the one that sticks with me to this day. It's not a matter of, and this was her talking about her relationship with God and how things will work out. It's not a matter of if God can do it. It's a matter of when and how. God has the details that we don't really see. He has a different perspective. And that was her first big piece of advice. And the second one, if I can share it with you, if that's okay. Is that okay if I share this with you? She would say, it's real simple. Just keep living. And she would say this in any situation. Whether you needed advice, it would, it would be like her signing off if she was like a newscaster. Just keep living. And it didn't matter what day you had. The best day would be followed with the just keep living. And then on your worst day, she'd hit you with the best piece of advice, and then just keep living. And I got to see someone who was invincible just stand in what they had been living for so long. And she had arrived at this place that a 28-year-old, 29-year-old could never think of. Just that, what, how, can you, how can you sit and lay like this and feel that way? It was baffling to us. I think everybody in the family just saw this backbone not physically be strong, but spiritually be strong. So, yeah. What was the last thing she said to you? Oh, man. She said, don't worry about me. I've done it. And th- it, was this, it was the morning that I think, it, I really do think it was the day before Thanksgiving, because I think we were just in this kick of, we're so excited. And then we wake up one morning, and, and we hear the, the faintest breathing, and she, she's calling everybody in and letting, letting us know. And uh, this is, a, uh, during that last week, she would, you would hear her praying. So it, once we got to the morning where the paramedics had to come and get her, I, the, she had these faint words of like, I've done it. I'm, don't worry about me, I've done it. I've lived it. And this is, a, again, a woman who survived so much that we would have to be here all day. And it just, it was her giving peace because she had enough to go around for everybody who didn't have it in that moment. And I think that was the biggest, the biggest representative of who Christ has called us to be. We're supposed to have the thing that somebody who is falling apart needs. And she, even on her last day, she still had one more thing to give somebody. And that's the thing that I'll, I'll take with me. Don't, well, don't worry about me because I've, I've lived it, I've done it, and God's never left me. And uh, it, it just, I'm rambling now, but. No, it's good. It's good, man. It's good. You, I don't know if you noticed, but Nick played drums today. That's his primary <laughs> instrument, and he usually leads worship. And now he found out he could preach. Look at that. Uh, I really want you guys to hear this song and, uh, and, uh, and hear Nick uh, sing it as it was inspired by his grandmother's passing. Listen. So there's a hymn that when the music was written, 
for the song. I'm talking like I, it wasn't me. Um, when we were coming up with the music for it, I, I was showing my dad some chords. And this is months before my grandmother's health decline. And when I was originally writing the song, it was just a lot happier. It sounded like you were at a campfire hanging out with your friends. And it was just a real good time. And then life hit. And suddenly you could just, I could, I, I remember it just felt like somebody said, it's that same idea. Just let me help you. And there is this whistle and this song that was just there. And I think it took uh, just seeing my grandmother go through what she went through in such backbone fashion. And I don't want to be irreverent, but the way this song was given to me, it has this whistle in it. And if you guys don't mind, I just want to give it to you how the Lord and my grandmother gave it to me, if that's okay. One day those seeds will grow. Mm-hmm. Now there is a time and season for everything under the sun. And if you can't find a reason, listen here and I'll sing you one. Well, it may not make much sense yet You won't always know why But soon you'll understand things better When we get to the by and by By and by My father would remind me He'd say that patience is the key And he'd say, son, if you can learn how to wait Then you can learn anything Oh, oh, oh. well, one thing I know for sure now Is that birds and time fly so I'll cherish every moment till I reach oh the by and by oh 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 I've had my share of good days and I've had my share of bad ones too the way that I made it through all the ups and downs is because I still got you So when I stop to smell the roses When I sit back and review See, I can come to the conclusion, Lord That I can't 
do this without you. Oh, oh, oh. Cause see this pain, it has a purpose. There's a lesson in the loss. Cause you can't have salvation without the grave and the cross. So on the days when I am happy And the days I just want to cry See, I know it's all working for my good To take me to the bye See, my grandmother loved hymns and this is what this song comes from by and by when the morning comes when all the saints of God gathering on and we will tell a good story of how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by oh Lord we will understand it better by and by oh, oh, oh. We will understand it, it better by and by and by. Take me to the bar. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Thanks for sharing. Well, no need to preach now. That pretty well said it all right there, didn't it? Wow, that was powerful. So uh, I've, been, I've, been, uh, I've been off and uh, taking a little summer break and, and trying to get my head together and rested a little bit and, and uh, at least mentally rested. And, and uh, I, just, um, I just began to think about, what, God, what is it you want me to say when I, when I get back and I, I get a chance to talk to people? And I just feel like there's been so much struggle and so much negative and so many challenges and, and over the last couple of years. And I just, I, I just said, we need to remember who God is. In, in the midst of loss, in the midst of, of death and suffering, God is still God. God hasn't lost you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't lost who you are or what you're going through. He still has a plan. You just can't see it right now, but you will understand it one day in the by and by. And you say, well, I need a pie in the sky. I don't buy yeah, I believe there's a real heaven. I believe that everything we go through on this earth isn't wasted if we'll let God redeem it, even the, the pain and the hurts and I didn't, I didn't know Nick's uh, grandma, but I know her because I know, I know Nick. And I see the fruit of what her life was about. And, 
And I, I think back to the people in my life who have, who have so invested in me and, and, and who finished well. With my grandpa, who was a bootlegger, criminal, gunfighter, who became a, a Christian and lived out his faith as a pastor. And my other grandpa, who was, who was an actual builder of churches, and my little grandmas, and and how they trusted God and prayed for us. My wife's grandma who sat in a stump out in the pasture on the farm where she lived and prayed for us as we started this church every day. And I think about those people and sometimes I I look around and I see so few of us finishing well and I wonder, is there something we missed? Is there something we haven't grasped onto that they held dear that we have missed? How do we go through adversity? How do we go through? None of us gets out of this deal alive from what I've heard. And so at some point, you got to get hold of something that's going to carry you through it. It's not all happy, happy. How do we find that? How do we deal with it? What do, what do we need? There's a little passage in, in Matthew chapter 13, and, and Jesus tells some parables. They're just stories that he kind of made up to illustrate a, a point, and they're not designated to give you a, you know, a, a blueprint for doing business. They're about a point. And in, in Matthew 13, 44 through 46, there are the two parables. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This isn't about how to do business. It's not even about the ethics of what happened here. But there was, a, there was a teaching by rabbis at that time that if you found a treasure in a field which people didn't have banks, so they did actually hide treasure in a field. They may have forgotten it or maybe someone died and left it there, whatever it was, that if, if you never took it out of the ground and you bought the ground, it belonged to you. But if you took it out of the ground, it belonged to the master. You know, kind of some of the laws that the rabbis were teaching, I'm not sure about. But that's not his point. His point is the value of the treasure, the value of a great treasure, understanding it. And he begins with the kingdom of heaven is like. And I was thinking about what do we think the kingdom of heaven is like? We think it's like a country club where you go and you, you dress up nice and you make business contacts. Or is it more like a spa where you go for a little spiritual healing every once in a while or, or a, a spiritual massage on a weekly basis? Is it like jury duty where you feel like you ought to go but it doesn't seem to do anybody any good? Uh, do you feel like it's this delightful place in mythology that if it only existed, if the king really, uh, the kingdom really existed, it would be wonderful, but unfortunately it doesn't? Or maybe it's a sentimental throwback to a bygone era of simplicity. Maybe that's what the kingdom is like for you. I want to suggest that the kingdom is supposed to be understood as, and indeed is, the most valuable thing you can ever receive. To be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, to be a part of his family, a part of his kingdom, is the most valuable thing that can ever happen in your life. And if that is in place, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff, all these will be added and all, all the other stuff will get taken care of. You've got to get the first thing right. It is the most important thing. So I just want to point out three things that I think would be helpful for us today to learn from these parables, even in, if you're in times of struggle and if you're in times of, of great celebration how do you respond when you find the thing of ultimate value? First of all, you need to see. You need to see it for what it is. You need to see the magnitude of the treasure in front of you. That little hit and miss engine. I actually found it in an estate. Some folks, some older folks had died and some friends of ours and, and uh, extended family members, if you will, and, and invited us over and say, hey, if there's anything uh, you see out of my dad's stuff, you, you want, yeah. And I spotted it under a table out in the shed. All I saw was the top of the flywheel and I knew what it was. 
And, and nobody else cared. Nobody else wanted it. But I knew what it was. I knew it was a hit and miss engine. Now, you don't know what hit and miss engine is. Come on Thursday night, guys. Women, they'll have to tell you later. Um, but I saw it. I spotted it. I recognized for what it was. And I understood that it was a value. And here's what you need to understand, is that some of us are so busy looking at the condition of our nation, the situation with racial tensions and culture wars, whatever it might be, that we've forgotten to look and treasure what the treasure is. To remember that Almighty God loves you. Almighty God sent His Son to die on a cross so that you could be forgiven. You could be reconciled. That's the treasure. The other stuff is problems. They need to be looked at. They need to be dealt with, but they're not the primary thing. The real issue is we get the right treasure in the right place in our lives. Things will begin to change. We need to see it for what it is. We need to focus on it. We're so focused on what's going to hit the fan next or the next shoe to fall or the evil that's about to overtake us. We need to look at the gift that was given to us by the giver. And what he gave us was pretty powerful. We need to not only look at it and understand it for what it is. We need to have an epiphany, an awakening. Both men in, this, in both these parables had an awakening, an understanding, a realization that this is incredibly valuable. They saw what it was and it dawned on them. The reality is, is that we are not being offered through God's word and through his kingdom and through what Christ did, just a way to make our lives a little bit better, just a, a little kind. It is a transformative opportunity to change us at the very core of who we are. It's not an incremental slight improvement. Christ didn't die on the cross for you to have a 10% better attitude. Some of you could use about a 90% better attitude if we want to pick it up today, but it is a change in the very essence of who we are. We are not sufferers who need a little bit of help or a little bit of relief. We are sinners who need a Savior. We need to be changed because at the very core of you and the very core of me is a selfish person wanting what I want when I want it, and I don't care who it hurts. That's called sin. And all of us struggle with it. C.S. Lewis said he wants to make us a whole new person, not incremental improvements. And his illustration was, it's as if God comes over and we think he's going to do a little remodel and he walks into the house of our lives and, and we think he's going to change the color of the paint or maybe suggest some new wallpaper and he starts ripping walls out, knocking out beams and he starts changing the things and before long you realize this isn't a remodel, this isn't a little fresh coat of paint, a little freshen up on this house. He's going to knock it down and build a new one, a, a house, a palace worthy of him living in it because that's what he intends to do to live in you and me. See, that's why it's, it's a radical change. You see, we need to wake up to what the real gift is. And we need to give up our small ambitions. Tim Keller talks about this. And I love the way Tim Keller talks about it. And he talks about the fact that, that when we come to Jesus, he's not just trying to do incremental improvement. He is trying to change us, not just who we are, not just forgive what we've done and change our character, but to change the trajectory of our future. We settle for way too little. We, he, says, he says that we come to faith, we come to Jesus, and we just want to admit a little bit of truth about ourselves. Yeah, I probably could improve over here. When he wants total admission of who we are and what we've done so that he can give us a whole new ambition for who we're going to become. You see, the truth is I'm a mess and you're a mess. I don't have it figured out. I don't have it together. But I've got a God who is moving me forward, who is changing who I am, who has a trajectory for my life that I could never imagine. If I were to put in my, my own words, I would 
I would suggest that it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to tell a little story about my assistant. She didn't give me permission, but she loves me. She'll let, let me get away with it. She tells me that there are people, she might be one of them, there are people, adults, who do coloring books in order to relax. Have you heard of this? Coloring books. Hmm. And uh, it's as if we come to God and we've got our little outline drawn and we say, God, I'm giving, I'm giving you my life. Now color inside the lines I've drawn. And by the way, feel free to pick a couple of the colors if you want. And God says, oh, let me have and he hands us a fresh white piece of paper because that's what salvation does. It gives you a fresh, white, clean start. And he says, now, let's draw something together that you can't even imagine. Let's come up with a plan for your life that you can't even possibly conceive of because that's how incredibly great I want your life to be, how incredibly impactful I want your life to be. Let's draw this together. You see, the kingdom is... It's not an add-on, and it's not a nice little thing. It is more horrible and wonderful than you ever want to imagine. More horrible in the sense that I've got to tell the truth about me. I've got to own my stuff. I've got to own that most of my motives are impure. Most of my thoughts you wouldn't want on the screen. And some of you are willing to admit that about yourselves. And yet when I admit that to God, he begins to change me. And those motives begin to get pure. They get become more like Jesus. And then the trajectory of my life, the possibility of impact, the opportunity of influence that I have is suddenly blown completely out of proportion to what it was before because God created me for a reason. And now God is in control. See, we give up our small ambitions and we join his kingdom, our small expectations, our small rewards. We give all those up with greater admissions, come greater ambitions, and God says, now we can really do something, something to last for eternity with your life. The reality is, though, that we need to give him everything. Interesting thing about these parables, both of them, they didn't just kind of go and grab a little, a little extra cash they had. They gave up everything. They saw that the treasure was worth everything. They sold everything. I was, as I was growing up, there was, we're always searching, the Christian community is always searching for words that will describe people who are fully committed to Christ. And that phrase right there is one of the ways over the years we've used that. When I was a kid, someone who was sold out to the cause of Christ, that was a phrase, sold out. I think it came from this parable, where they were willing to sell everything in order to be in the kingdom, to be in a relationship with Jesus, to be doing his work. They were, nothing else was more important. He was sold out. Treasure is worth any price. I, this week, I had a, a couple of days ago, I was, I, something popped up on something I was looking at social media or something, and, and it was this great deal for something I've been wanting to buy. It was a great deal. And so I looked at it and went, nah. But it was just so great. So I bought two. <laughs> and so the next day, I started thinking about it. So this is a big item. Each of them are a big item. Each of them weigh about 700 pounds. And I bought them for 100 bucks each. Brand new. Now, let's just all do the math on the shipping right now, shall we? <laughs> when, when do you think I should expect these to arrive? The 12th of never. They're never coming. It's not going to happen. It's not even possible. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I bought it on American Express. They're going to take care of it. But anyway, <laughs> what if you saw something so incredibly valuable, so unbelievable, that you just couldn't say no. 
Not a chance on a, you know, a new tool you need in your shop. No, what about something that includes eternal life? Meaning and purpose in this life. You see, Jesus isn't just enough. Jesus is everything. One of the thoughts that have been reoccurring for me is, it's an old song from the 70s by a band that actually our bass player played with uh, back in the 70s. And it, there's a song called Fresh Surrender. That I need to surrender everything to God because there are no options. There's nothing else worthy, worth living my life for. You start getting some of these in a few years on you, you start realizing that that thing you chased after and that thing you chased after and that thing you're tempted to chase after and that other thing over there, whether they're intrinsically or good or bad, they're not going to fill you up. They're not going to take care of the issues in your life. They're not going to give you meaning and purpose in your life. It's not going to happen. At some point, you realize the only hope for any real meaning and purpose in this life is to believe in the one who created you and the one who will provide for eternity for you and then give your life fully and completely. That's the only investment that makes sense. Everything else will burn up. Everything else will be gone. So he says, you got to give up everything. You got to be sold out. You can't take this treasure for granted. It's not some add-on to your life. It's not some, I don't know, you add it, make your life more comfortable, more pleasurable, like some, I don't know, wine of the month club. Is there such a thing? It sounds like a Rossmore thing. <laughs> I've been gone for four weeks. I haven't had a fight in four weeks, so come on. Um, that was funny. Come on. That was just <laughs> obnoxiously funny. Jesus is not someone you keep on retainer for when you get in trouble. The kingdom is not just another tool in your self-help toolbox. It is worth everything in your life because it is what your life is about. God, a relationship with God. It would be silly to not understand what it is and to own it and to be serious about it to be flippant and silly with it. It just doesn't make any sense. To take it for granted doesn't make any sense. We have chosen to be a part of God's family, to change kingdoms. The Bible makes it in these very stark terms. It makes people uncomfortable. But he said, before you were a Christian, you lived in the kingdom of darkness. But now that you believe in Christ and you've accepted his forgiveness, you live in the kingdom of light. Before you lived in the kingdom of self, now you live in the kingdom of God. It is that drastic. It is that harsh. And it demands everything from us. The way we think, the way we feel, everything has to be addressed. Everything has to be laid open before God to allow His Spirit to guide us to what is right and what is good and what is wrong. We not only signed up for a new kingdom, we have changed our allegiance. Before, everything was about what is best for me. How do I see things? What do I think is best? We change allegiance, it becomes apparent. So uh, over the last uh, month or so, I've been hiding out in the woods. And uh, it's literally out on, uh, I have a friend that's got a ranch, and I was up by his ranch, and, uh, and uh, I've been just kind of away, and some of the churches I've attended, um, the whole church could fit on that row right there the last few weeks. It was actually kind of refreshing. And, um, and so I went to a rodeo. I love rodeos. I'm from the Midwest. I still think animals can be eaten or ridden. I told you, I'm up for picking a fight, so come on. Um, and so I went to this rodeo in and, a and, and little tiny town, little tiny town, and it's a county fair and rodeo, and, and it had, didn't happen last year, and, and, uh, and, and it's a big deal locally, big deal. Uh, uh, lousy cowboys, not a single bull was ridden that day. Uh, but, uh, but it was fun atmosphere, and so I'm at this little rodeo, and I'm sitting there with my family and grandkids and stuff. We're sitting up there, and um, they're you know introducing people and doing the, all the stuff that seemed pretty needless to me, but they're excited about it. And, and then um, they'd introduce the rodeo queen, and you know, in her court, and and in comes 
and everything goes silent, and in comes um, a young woman riding a horse with a flag, an American flag, and starts riding around the arena slowly. And then, uh, I'm proud to be an American, you know that song? Starts playing, and she starts speeding up, and, and it starts getting louder. And I suddenly realized something, that if you were there, and you intended to be seated and or wear your hat during this or the national anthem, you were putting your life at risk. I am serious. I had a spiritual moment. It was crazy. As th this song and then the national anthem played and this chorus rode faster, I look around. There's, there are people, everyone, standing like this, hats off, singing at the top of their lungs. I mean singing. There are people crying. I know where their allegiance is. I don't have any question where they stand about our country. If people can be this committed and this excited about a nation that's fairly young and may not last much longer, we don't know, how much more should our allegiance to Jesus be apparent to the world we live in? I'm all in. These folks that wrote it, they're all in. It's not just words for them. This is a big deal. They go to war for what they're aligned with and what they're pledged to. I have to believe that we in America have come to believe that Christianity is something we just add on and put on the side and we just kind of wink and nod at it. When Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with him, we owe him a greater allegiance. And the truth is the best life is lived as we make our allegiance fully committed to him. You got to sell everything. You got to be completely sold out. You got to change your allegiances. This week I was having some prayer about a situation that I didn't cause and I can't fix an injustice that occurred that is awful. At the end of my prayer time, I closed with quoting an old song, I Surrender All. You might know that if you're older, and I Surrender All. I have prayed that prayer and sang that song many, many times, but I've never been more aware of the word all because in this scenario, the all included a whole lot more than just me. I cern it all. And here's what is wonderful, is that I don't have the solution. I can't figure it out. I can't fix it. But I know who has the power to turn this situation into something helpful, into something good, into something that gives him honor. And in that, I take joy. By the way, let me close with this. You need to not only see the gift for what it is and sell everything to get it. You need to savor the joy. The most surprising thing about this parable that Jesus told is that, yes, of course he had joy. He had a great, he had a great treasure. No, no. If you read the passage, you'll notice that it says, and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. The joy came even before that he owned it. It was the joy of anticipation. There's something incredible. You see, the whole kingdom life is about knowing that God has got this under control and that his rewards for your life are so much greater than whatever price you'll pay. We live in joy, not because life is easy. We, we have enough examples in Scripture, and I've said by enough bedsides of people dying of cancer, I know this life is easy. Not because everything's going to get all fixed in an hour like a sitcom. Not because life is going to turn out easy for anybody. It, the truth is, because I know there is a by and by, as you heard saying about it a moment ago. I know that there is a day when, because of faith, not because of my merit, not because I'm a good guy, but because of Jesus, because of what he's done for me, I can stand before God, and I'm going to hear him say 
Well done. You did good, kid. You did good. You loved your wife. You surrendered your life to me. Took care of those kids and grandkids. You pastored a pretty good church. You did good. I love you. You see, there'll be a day. Here's what it says in Scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You see, joy comes from knowing Jesus and knowing that Jesus has got it under control. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of your life. I don't know how long your life's going to be. But here's what I know. If you're a Christian, you don't need to fear anything. You need to live in joy. You need to come together weekly as long as God gives you life. Come together so we can proclaim who God is and experience the joy of the anticipation of him doing the things in us and through us and for us that he intends to. Daily when I meet with him in Bible study and in prayer, I am reminded of the joy of having almighty God creator of the universe is my best friend and my savior and the Lord of my life. That's joy. So today, I invite you, set aside even momentarily, not denial, but set aside your focus on whatever challenges you see, whatever thing you think is out to get you or whatever you're running from, and just remember, God loves you. Christ died for you. Give him everything, and he'll give you more than you ever anticipated. You give him everything, the outcomes are his then, not yours. Stop your striving. Stop your manipulating. Stop your trying to figure out the angles. Stop living in fear and worry and regret. Give it all to him. Surrender it all. And when you surrender all to him, he will come and he will fill. The Bible says that he will fill your life with such peace that you can't figure out where it came from and why you have it. He says we'll be filled with joy. Experience peace. See, a world full of striving, full of running each other over, clawing their way to the top, diminishing others in order to try to enhance our image, it's just a waste of time. Ecclesiastes is right. It's all vanity. It's chasing after the wind. But Jesus did a real thing on a real cross so that you and I could really be forgiven and be in the kingdom. And so today, whatever you need to give up. If there's anything in your life that's more important to you than Jesus, give it up. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you disappointed. Give it up. Get rid of it. And trust him with everything. Because that's how valuable this kingdom life is. Let's pray. Lord God, today I'm so thankful. You love me, not because I deserve it, and <laughs> not because I'm very lovable on some days, but because... That's what you chose to do. You chose to come to redeem those of us that you'd created, and yet we'd turned our backs on you to redeem us and to reconcile us to yourself. And so today, Lord God, I want to live in the joy of salvation, not the fear and the dread of the circumstances, not the misunderstandings of, of broken relationships and false expectations. I want to live in the joy of knowing that I am fully devoted to you and with your help, I'm becoming more and more devoted every day. And in that, I trust you with the outcomes. I have peace that, that is so beyond the circumstances around me. And Lord God, I ask if there's anyone here today who hasn't given everything to you, holding something back or holding everything back, that they today would consider the investment. It's the only one that pays off for eternity.
And Lord God, we are so grateful to have this opportunity. Please come, fill us with joy, fill us with peace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you guys came. I was going to preach this sermon whether you're here or not, but it was fun having you here. It's so good to be with you guys. I love you guys. Have a great week. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time. 